On this episode of Resi Week, we talk about custom installation and the future of voice control. Also, hiding your AV and kickstarting a new AV product. All that and more next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 21, recorded Tuesday, July 5th, 2016. We are the guinea pigs. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Extron Electronics. Hey, this is Matt Scott, and welcome to Resi Week, your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news, stories, and uh, things to talk about in the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, uh, for avnation.tv. Today, I am joined by my good friends, uh, Todd Puma from the Source Home Theater. Todd, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks for having me on the show today. Hey, thanks for being here again. And uh, I think, Jim, this is your first time on the show. Is that correct? It is. I'm in the new. Perfect. Well, welcome. Uh, this is Jim Murray from Kiss AV. Uh, you might know him as the inventor of Sonic's, Sonic Vortex uh, that's used in, in a couple of the products that are out on the market today. So thanks, both of you, for being here today. Uh, we're going to jump right in and uh, talk about a story that is in residential systems on the evolution of voice control. And uh, what this article is talking about is essentially uh, how platforms like Alexa and uh, the coming one from Apple that, that, that keeps getting rumored about, uh, how voice control is jumping into the home and being accessible, and really, you know, what dealers and integrators uh, need to be ready for in those questions coming to them from uh, their their clients. Todd as a as an integrator in a in in the New York City metro area is this something that you're getting asked about uh, actually we're getting asked about it on almost every new consult and customers are coming back to us asking us those questions um, immediately you're gonna revert them off of something that's newer technology um, I'm not a fan of voice control at this point because I feel like it hasn't fully been tested uh, I have problems with Siri her and I are always having issues. I tell her one thing, she gives me another thing. Uh, it just doesn't work out. And no matter what I try to do, she just doesn't want to listen. So I'm not going to put that situation and my situations into my customers' homes at this point. Now, with that being said, Alexa has done a great job. Um, I, you know, I feel that my kids, you know, myself, as well as other colleagues are talking about it often. Um, there's a lot of companies like Claire Controls that are already integrated with them. Uh, other manufacturers are coming out this year at Cedia. I heard mm -hmm. some big rumors on that. Uh, and we are embracing it. You know, we are going to embrace the technology. But here's what it comes down to is I'm all about setting the technology and forgetting about it. It's allowing the technology to work for the customers. The customer comes in their home. The lights come on. Shades go down at a certain time. Certain listening could happen based on triggers and commands. Pressing one button. The New York client, and this is only speaking on my clientele, is the New York client doesn't want to think when they get home. They want to press a button. They're not looking on speaking to their system. They don't want to think anymore. And controlling a system with your voice is going to put thought into the process. And once you explain that to the customers, they understand it. They, they get a grasp of what they want and what they don't want. But we're here to kind of be that wall. 
We're here to educate them. We're the professionals. Just because Apple's telling you to go this way or another manufacturer is telling you to go that way, that's not how it always is. Is technology growing? Yes. Are we going to embrace the technology? Absolutely. But we need to put a stop at this point until all the manufacturers in our industry are starting to get a grasp of working with whoever the company is at this point. Now, Jim, is this something where there, you know, we just need more uh, manufacturers on board to make this, you know, really a, a true reality and a, a true solution as far as voice control, whether it be with something like Alexa or Siri or, or any other manufacturer? Is it is it something where it's about the adoption of the manufacturers, or is it about the integration and and the installations from a from an integrator side? I guess that's where I come at everything from a slightly different perspective. I started out as a custom installer and did custom installs for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So I've been there trying to get all the different products from different manufacturers to work in a home together because they weren't designed to do that. Uh, Yamaha surround receiver doesn't really want to work real well with this particular control system that I'm selling. It's just how do you get everything to marry together into one system? Early adoption of the voice command, those people are going to be the guinea pigs. Um, yeah. Right now, we're not at the point to where those systems are going to work fluidly. I, as a customer, going back to wearing my custom installer hat, mm-hmm. that's not a system that I would want to install today because I'm going to be then the guinea pig dealer trying to work through a lot of these systems. A mm-hmm. lot of that stuff's got to get worked out to where they interact better together. Um, and and I understand that. And you know, obviously, we don't want to we don't want to do trial and error on our on our customers by any stretch of the imagination. But at, at what point don't we need those guinea pigs to help us grow that market segment? We need the guinea pigs, but the manufacturer. I guess that's no. where me setting as the manufacturer now. Uh, I've taken off the hat of as being the custom installer, <laughs> and now I'm the manufacturer and been doing this now for uh, a few years. Having that manufacturer's hat on, I need to make sure that the products I'm building are going to work fluidly with the systems that are out there. Mm-hmm. And trying to make my system as simple as it is to use, but also make it to where it's going to interact extremely well with all the other technologies and whether it's a voice operating system, a RS-232, IP, it's trying to make the systems that are being manufactured to where they work as fluidly and smoothly in an open-ended architecture. The problem is most manufacturers don't want to do that. They want you to be pigeonholed into their proprietary systems a lot of times. (laughs) that makes it challenging then to what box am I going to use to work this particular piece that I have to have in this system. Unfortunately, voice commands and that software, it's getting there, but we're still a ways out before it's ready to go, I think, into consumers' home. That may change very quickly because there are those customers out there that are wanting it. They're wanting simple. Mm -hmm. They don't want to think about it. I mean, going back 25 years ago, doing custom install, 
that's where I made a lot of my money was making that system super simple for the customer to use. Right. Because the owner of this particular business that's spending $100,000 with me on this AV system, they want it to work. They want it to work every time, and they don't want a PhD in how to work in electronics. They right. just want to pick up the remote, push a button, and go. So, we're um, still so, so that's what it was all about. But there's a difference between, like yourself, you're not this word, um, so I'm not declaring you as this, but there's a difference between an order taker and somebody who's giving your professional opinion to the clients. Is personally, for my company and people I work with, we beta test everything internally. I put it in my home before I put it in a customer's home. If it hasn't been here six months to a year and hasn't been working stable, it's not going in their home. And I feel most customers will respect that. But if you're just going to take their orders and say, all right, here it is. Let's put this together, this together, that together. And you know what? I don't know if it works, but I see that the company has a driver already or there is a module built. Sure, it has to work. No, you can't. You have to trust but yet verify. So you're our guinea pig. Yeah, we're the guinea pigs, yes. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> but that's and okay. I, no, no, right. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. There's there's a bunch of products that sit in my house and, and run either independently or by their uh, part of a larger system that just run as I test them out and, and try to make them work and figure out where those shortcomings are uh, so that, you know, again, when you go and talk to that client, you can properly explain what they can get with whatever piece of technology you're, you're, you're getting. Um but I think kind of the consensus here is just that voice control, although it's super cool, uh, still isn't there. Is that what we're happy with? It's I, definitely, I, got to me, has a ways to go. And uh, kind of going back to the comment a minute ago, Siri and me do not get along. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's growing up in the Midwest and I have that Midwest accent that she just doesn't understand, but it's just hit very much hit and miss. And as a user, mm -hmm. going back to being the user for a minute, that's extremely aggravating. And it's, I want it to work. I want to be able to make it work, not repeat myself three, five, six times because, okay, forget that. Just give me a button to push. Well, and, and I think that's kind of the key is when we look at, uh, you know, a, a remote control or a touchscreen or, or any other input device that we use, you push that button once, and you expect whatever the reaction of pushing that button to be to actually happen. And as we're as we're going down the voice control route, um, I'm I'm thinking I might have a better uh, Siri experience than both of you because I don't have too much of a problem with it. But every now and again, it does screw up and it doesn't understand what I'm saying, uh, or or it misreads something. Um, you can't really have that those issues arise in any sort of control system yeah. we're, we're past that point where we're where we have an acceptable level of failure on, on things like that and you know I, I don't see voice control taking off you know mass market until you can say those simple commands like you know hey sorry turn on my lights and actually have it turn on the lights without asking it three or four times but very good points. Um, love having both the, the manufacturer aspect and, and the the integrator aspect. Um, so moving on to a uh, CE Pro article, uh, and this is a one downloads. Which you know, as as the integrators, if you guys are not taking advantage of uh, some of these resources from companies like CE Pro and, and some of the other ones, uh, you definitely should because they've got some some really good stuff there. Um, 
but they've got a, a new white paper in their Advantage series out that's called You've Got to Hide Your Tech Away. Um, and I don't want to dive into what's actually in that. If you want it, go download it. Um, they'll, they'll ask for your email and put it in, and you get a free white paper. It's great. Um, but what I wanted to kind of use this as a, as a jump point was this is really the key that separates um, and, and kind of flows off of what we were just talking about. The, the DIY guys or the, the weekend warrior who's, who's doing this on the side and pro integrators and, and, and professionals that are, are running a true business that are you know, dedicated to this channel. I realize that not every client and not every customer is going to look for, to use the example from the, from the little one sheet, um, not every customer is going to look for that 75-inch panel that's hidden behind a marble wall. That, that automates and rotates to reveal this beautiful panel. But how much of the day-to-day -day work becomes custom and, and truly can become custom for most integrators? Where is that, where is that true separation between DIY and, and, and true custom? Todd, what's your... And obviously, we know you do a ton of, a ton of really nice custom work, um, having known you for, gosh... Five years now, six years. Um, is this not really one of the mainstays that sets us apart, and, and and really just sets the channel apart? Not that it's not about hiding the television, hiding the technology. Yes, no, that no, makes... no, 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 not not just hiding or, or doing that, but it, it's the it's the custom aspect, right? That that we know how to do things such as right. Mm -hmm. We know how to integrate. That's the difference between us and the DIY is we're able to customize you know, a customer's lifestyle based on their needs, and we're able to build a custom GUI or interface based on their daily lifestyle and how they live. Uh, DIY, they don't do this for a living, right? The DIY products are building a, based upon a mass market. Okay, here's what we know works. Here's what we know we like, and here's what the customers are asking for. This is what you get. You get five scenes, you know, good morning, good night. And whatever the other three scenes may be, that's it. But it's built for the mass market. It's mm -hmm. not built for an individual. What, what the customers are starting to realize is that they want more of a customized you know, solution. They want something that's a little bit above and beyond what the apples are giving them. But what I do believe is Apple's HomeKit right, or home technology is going to build a lot of awareness for our industry. It's going to help us get more business. It's going to help the understanding of what we're explaining to people about integration and working together. And whatever Apple's going to offer us, this little packet of this integration, what they're giving us, is going to help them, the customers know, okay, this is the basics and this is the custom integrator. When that starts becoming put to life, then you're going to see a big explosion in our industry and more awareness than we ever had before. So that's when it's going to set us apart from DIY to custom integrator. Right now, the only people who could explain the difference is ourselves. And they have, we have to be able to be in front of the client to explain those differences to them. Well, Jim, it, are, are we getting to a stage where that divide just keeps to – I don't want to say just keeps growing, but has become quite, quite massive – between the the DIY and the true the true custom installation, I think right now the divide's very large, but I think it's going to get narrower and narrower. And as we see more stuff from Apple, Google, each one of these kind of elevating that DIY customer, all of a sudden they're going to say, "All right, I've used this, but I want more." 
I, I like this, but I still want more. Right. Um, they've grown up with it. There's nothing better than having getting that consumer at that age point. I mean, 18, 25, 30 years old where they're starting to embrace this and they're wanting that. And as they grow into, they want more, they can do more. They're going to ask for it to be more simplified, higher performance. Each one of those things is what really as a custom installer in my background is what I, my business was really all about from the custom side. Um, they would a lot of times start at one point and all of a sudden grow into being a full-fledged custom install or a high-end multi-zone system or lighting control. Um, that's where, to me, the big separations work. Uh, that's, I guess, going back when I had my custom install business, that's the transitions that I would wind up seeing over the course of actually a very short period of time. It could be as short as three to four years that I see a customer come in from being, okay, I want a nice speaker system or a nice home theater system that, okay, they decided to buy a new house two years later. And all of a sudden we're, we were doing Vantage lighting control and whole house audio. And it just snowballed from one thing to the next. So getting, getting that and, I guess, transition or elevation of that entry-level automation system, um, bringing that DIY person up makes it a whole lot easier for them to take that leap into a full-fledged custom install job. And it also makes that there's less of a transition from one, one dollar amount to the other. So right. th that's the big part getting them accustomed to doing that. And as a going back, wearing the custom installer hat for a minute, my competition was not really other home automation businesses. A lot of times my, my competition was anything from the jeweler to the vacation travel agent to those right. type of things where they're going to put their disposable income. The thing is when I started dealing with, pitching a home automation lifestyle, it's something that they had with them every day and they could use every day and making their life simpler and easier. Well, that's the thing is, you know, when we start looking at where those dollars are going, um, and I, I remember talking with a, uh, um, a trainer years ago, and this is, you know, when we first started getting into one of the, one of our verticals, um, sat with the trainer and the trainer would go on and on and on about, you know, how to, how to sell these honestly quite expensive lifestyle products. And you know, the, the pushbacks that you're going to get from your clients based on these dollar amounts. And I remember him saying something and it was mainly directed kind of at, at myself and one of the other guys who was from Canada. Uh, and he's like, you know, if you have a client who's, who's concerned and, you know, complaining about the, the dollar amount and the investment and they're looking at, you know, for the amount of money that I'm going to spend on either your lighting system or, or your automation system, you know, I could buy a boat with that. The or the easy comeback was always, yeah, but you live in Canada, so you can use the boat for three months a year and only on weekends when you're not working. This is stuff you use every day, multiple times a day. Why not invest that money there? Um, 
and that just kind of you know bounced off your example of it's it's not necessarily competing against the DIY or the Best Buys or the other integrators. It's competing against the other you know interests of our of our clients that uh, can t- take some of that disposable disposable money away. Well, it's it's all about selling the value to the client, yeah. right? That's that's what we're all about is giving the customer how much do they value this service. What are they looking for from this service and explaining to them the process and so, you know, making it very clear to them and making them more comfortable about it. Because what, what are the customers giving pushback about? They don't understand it. Customers that I have dealt with that have currently other control systems in their home, they're a little bit more reasonable with the money they're out to spend. And they know what they want and they want a little bit more. This is what I had. This I didn't like. This didn't work. And this is what I want you to do. And it's a little bit easier of a streamlined process versus the newer client that hasn't had home automation or even a multi-room system or a home theater before. They don't understand how it all works. Mm-hmm. So that's what's hard. That's the more of a challenge to sell that value to them. And that's you know I would I believe a lot of us do in this industry very well is we sell the value of what we do. Well, and that's you know that's the key is sell sell the value, sell the sell the solution and, and how it adds to the life opposed to selling the box, right? Right. Um, but moving on, um, Jim, I'm going to ask you to put back on your uh, your manufacturer hat, um, and you know, I, I I've known your name for a while. Um, I've known some of the guys from some of the companies that you've worked with in the past. Um, but you've got a really cool project that's that's on the go right now. That's actually on Kickstarter. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, and it's for your Kiss AV line of speakers. Um, rather than me talking about this, why don't you jump in on this real quick and and a you know explain what they are, but explain kind of why why you went this route because I, I find it very very intriguing. Well, it's it's a complete departure from what I've been doing, and for the most part, that's been architectural custom install products. Mm-hmm. Um, spending the past two years traveling the globe and making my way through multiple cities in China and residences in China, residences in Europe, um, and also making a transition from living in Missouri to move to Florida. It was like, okay, we moved to Florida, rented. Uh, when you're in mul- other countries, a lot of times you're dealing with concrete walls, stone walls. Um, so doing an architectural install product, impossible. Um, so the KISS project was about doing something super simple to use, uh, super simple to install. So develop the product to be extremely lightweight. So the right and left speakers are actually under two pounds, um, can command strip to a wall. So there's no screws, no nails, no nothing. It's so just hold on. go how how much? Two they pounds? Under, under two pounds. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, there's a lot of technology going in the speaker. I mean it's everything from neodymium magnets uh, for the tweeter and woofer. It's an all plastic cabinet, but in that under the two pound cab or enclosure, there's also a amplifier that's 60 watts, has Toslink digital in, coax digital in, um, has a Bluetooth input, uh, also has wireless transmission out to the sub. 
all of that in a package that's under two pounds and literally looks like an in-wall speaker, but it mounts on the wall because it's under three inches in depth. So it just sticks on the wall with command strips. It's that easy. No holes, no nails, no nothing. And the product's designed to hook up directly to a flat panel TV. So Toslink digital out of the flat panel directly into the speaker. When you turn the TV on, the speakers come on. Okay, so going back to having the installer hat on, a lot of times I'm dealing with a customer that's wanting better quality sound than what they have in the TV or in this particular room. <laughs> they don't want a lot of times a complex system. They want something simple. How much simpler can I make it than you turn the TV on, the speakers come on? Well, I pre-programmed the speakers to where they work with all the manufacturer's TV remotes. So if, I don't care if you have a Sony, JVC, Samsung, these speakers already know volume up, volume down, out of the box from that TV's remote. So you literally turn off the speakers of the TV and you use your Sony remote, your JVC remote, no programming required, they just work. That's fantastic. Um, and transmission to a wireless sub. So have a little six inch wireless sub. It's also using the Sonic Vortex technology. Mm -hmm. So it's literally 10 and a half inches tall, uh, eight inches wide and seven inches deep, very small, very shallow. But with the technology, I'm actually able to get that sub to play to 26 hertz as its 3 dB down point. So really, really low on a very small sub. That's fantastic. Um, the other thing is the system uh, will reach 104 dB output. So it rocks. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and this is really, you know, because I think that's something that a lot of times we forget and I didn't really truly understand it until I went over to ISC was just being in North America and living here all my life. We just think about the way things are done here. We don't always think about the rest of the globe and, and, and how, you know, building changes and, and construction variances are, are completely different no matter where you are. Um, but even locally here, you know, I have a lot of clients that are in condos where they're not allowed to cut into the, the, the walls or whatever. So to have a, a solution like this that, as you said, can just stink and stick to the wall is fantastic. Um, why did you choose to go the Kickstarter route? Because that doesn't, it doesn't sound like the normal <laughs> way in which in, in the industry we would, we would kick off a, a product launch. It's something I've been watching several Kickstarter, I guess, uh, projects, campaigns going through. Thought I'd give it a try, see what happens. I kind of get things out there, and it allowed me to kind of make the transition and doing all of this all by myself. So there's no, I guess, nobody else involved. It's just me, and I wanted to bring the project and try something more towards that direction, knowing that this is, would be a little bit more of a, a DIY-type product because it is so simple. Um, but what's been strange is I've been being contacted by a lot of custom install distributors and companies about, okay, this is really cool. We're familiar with the technology. 
what about going this route? So right now it's one of those I'm being pulled in multiple different directions and just trying to see how this all works out. Um, it is it is different and it has a lot of potential. This the hard part that I guess I'm finding is to get across to people how great these speakers sound. Um, that's kind of the big thing. I uh, was at CE Week uh, last week and showed them off, and people could not believe how good this product sounded for the price point. And because it's a Kickstarter campaign, it's being offered out there effectively below dealer cost uh, to get it launched. So it it really does sound too good for the price point. Now, Todd, one have you seen have you seen this in our space before? And two, when you look at when you look at a product like this as as an integrator, does the fact that it started on Kickstarter does that affect your uh, you know decision to either look at it, get intrigued with it, get excited about it? Does that have any any effect on it at all? I, I believe by you know seeing things on Kickstarter actually wants me to support whoever is doing the Kickstarter. Uh, I'm all about the underdog, and I think it takes a lot of courage to do it on your own. Uh, you know, support funding, and then keeping the integrity of your vision and putting it out there. And I give you kudos for doing that. Um, I think that this pro this product um, is. I haven't seen in my market. I haven't sold a soundbar before. There's two things I haven't sold: a soundbar or uh, a Sono system. And you know what? Where as times change, more customers are requesting it, and solutions like this are becoming uh, more of a need. I know with my friend Mark Feinberg, he installs soundbars on every project, and this solution would be great for him. And I know that he would embrace the technology. And, you know, there's a lot of other guys out there in New York City that would embrace this technology. And at this point, based on what I've been doing, I haven't come across it that I would be able to offer it. But you know what? In the future, things are changing so frequently, and I never say never. The uh, the side that I find so intriguing is, is literally, you know, Jim, just, A, the fact that it's Kickstarter, because that's fantastic. That's um, cool. And, and B, the, the concept of being able to, you know, just stick something up on the wall. Because we've never had that kind of... No. No matter what system it is, you don't see that level of simplicity, um, which is fantastic. Uh, you've got 26 days left on your Kickstarter. Um, once once that finishes, when can backers expect to, to see product? Uh, we've got everything set up to ship in October. So most Kickstarter campaigns are nine months, 10 months, 12 months out before they're able to ship product. This isn't my first rodeo, so I've got everything all set up and ready to go. It's just the last little bits of the funding, pull the trigger. We're ready to go into manufacturing and have everything set, leave China, land, and out to the customers in October. The whole idea was to have this product really ready for fourth quarter and try and do the most we could there. And it's, it really is designed to go directly at sound bars and mm -hmm. give that customer a true stereo big sound um, with actually easier use, more flexibility than what you can get out of the, uh, anybody's sound bar. 
because it is so light, so simple, and they just work beautifully. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it up there. Uh, thanks, thanks, gentlemen, for being here. Uh, Jim, for people who uh, want to find you, where can they uh, connect with you? KissAV.net, uh, best place to get me, and that has multiple links over to our Kickstarter page, and look forward to seeing as many people there as possible. Excellent. Yeah, definitely go check that out. It's very, very cool stuff. Uh, Todd, thanks so much for being here, my friend. Thank you, Matt, again for having me, man. This was a great episode. Hey, appreciate it, guys. Where can uh, where can people find you, Todd? You can find me on Twitter under Todd Anthony Puma, and that's the spot you can find me only. <laughs> well, fine. That's where we'll find that, you. That's it. <laughs> uh, for my, it's awesome, man. Um, for myself, you can uh, you can always find me at uh, Matt D Scott on Twitter, uh, or pretty much on any social platform as Matt D Scott. Uh, but more importantly please visit avnation.tv. That's where you'll find uh, this show as well as many, many other shows uh, in our in our catalog of, of shows. Um, you can follow us online at uh, avnation.tv. Uh, but again, please stop by the website. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here again. And that is all the time we have for Resi Week. Oh, yeah.